How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Happy Expiration Friday, uh, Options Action fans. We've got a big show lined up. Here's what's on deck. First up, if the idea of getting into a retailer right now seems alien to you, Tony Zhang has a mission brief. Then, just get into it. The company. Carter Worth shows you why you might want to dive in. Finally, but we do trust this guy. Mike Coe really has worked it all out on that hard-hit travel giant. It's time to risk less to make more. Options Action starts now. Let's get right to it. After a volatile day of trading, the Dow, S&P, and Nasdaq all managing to close the day in the green. Despite the move higher, all three major indices still posting their worst week since March. Much of today's trading activity came in response to another record drop in U.S. retail sales numbers, down more than 16 percent in April. That's nearly double the decline of March's uh, retail numbers. So, Mike, uh, with all this volatility in stocks, what were you seeing in the options pit? Yeah, so this is a very interesting situation we have here. Normally, in my professional experience anyway, when we have these types of periods like the one that we've been going through, we have basically some form of a market crisis. We see elevated volatility. We see elevated implied volatility. We reach some sort of a zenith in it, and then it starts to fall off. And you get to where we are right now, you take a look out about 90 days or so, and you see what the options market is implying. Normally, in this kind of a situation, it's actually a very good time to buy stocks. In fact, the you know, one-week, two-week, three-week, four-week performance of the S&P, generally speaking, when you get into this kind of a condition, and of course, this only happens about 1% of the time, you know, you're looking at considerable outperformance. And yet, the type of activity that we saw this week didn't line up that way. We saw a lot of people adjusting bearish bets. We saw a lot of very big put spreads being put on. And actually, our own models are suggesting that although we might see volatility come in somewhat, maybe not as much as I would have normally expected. So it seems like some of this might be expected to persist a little bit longer, despite all of the fiscal action, all the monetary action, and all that kind of thing. Carter, what do you see in the charts? Well, despite the fact that VIX has collapsed, if you were just to look at the percentage of days where we're moving more than 1%, uh, right now it is higher than any point in the past two, two years, except for the plunge uh, in 18 and the plunge that we saw this year. So with those two r- serious sell-off moments just in days, we're still very elevated, a lot of volatility, and uh, that's usually not good. Tony, thoughts? Yeah, one thing that we've been tracking very closely is the VIX futures. When it, it went slightly into backwardation yesterday morning at the open, we started putting on some put hedges as a result of it, but it quickly reversed. So we're keeping a very close eye on those VIX futures numbers to give us a sense for risk on, risk off for this, for this current market. All right. Well, today's dismal retail numbers come as names like Home Depot, Lowe's, L Brands, Walmart. They're all gearing up to report earnings next week. But uh, Tony is betting one retailer may be set up for a breakout on the results. So what are you looking at, Tony? 
Yeah, so I want to take a look at retailers because we've been focusing on this segment of the market for the last couple of months here on Options Action. And there have been clear some trends that have been emerging. You have some companies that are pure e-commerce plays like Amazon and PayPal that have done really well. And then you have some big box stores like Dollar General that have focused predominantly on a digital strategy that also have been doing really well. So I want to take a look at Target going into earnings next week. Now, if we look at the chart of Target, it's recently been trading uh, fairly volatilely, um, but if you look at the 118 resistance level, the stock managed to break back above 118 earlier this week, retested it as support earlier to, uh, on Thursday, and is now starting to trade higher. And if you couple that with the recent relative strength of this particular stock, I think it's fairly well positioned going into earnings next week. Now, this stock actually is fairly volatile. It moves on average of about 11% over the last four quarters on earnings, but the options are only implying about an 8% move here. So that might be because the stock has moved up about 20% over the last month. And if you look at analyst revisions, they've been pretty strong going into this earnings cycle. So I'm expecting a sizable beat here. But the strategy I want to utilize here for this particular trade is, is the strategy that I've been using all season going into earnings, which is selling a put spread. Because I do think that after a 20% move in the underlying stock, there's limited gains to the upside, especially on a stock that I think is fairly well uh, price are fairly reasonably priced at the current point. So the trade structure I'm looking to use here is by going out to the May 29th weekly options and I'm selling the 121, 114 put vertical, collecting about $5.40 for the 121 puts and paying about $2.67 for the 114s. Net net here I'm collecting about $2.73 on a $7 wide credit spread, which is just shy about 40% of the width of the credit spread, which is the edge that we typically look for when we're selling credit spreads. Now, this strategy has a break-even price of just 118.27, which is right above that support level I was referring to on the underlying chart. Mike, what do you think of Tony's trade? Well, you know, it's interesting. Target is one of those stores. It's a tough economic environment, but they're reasonably well positioned. They've been able to stay open. Their investments in digital and e-commerce seem to be paying off. And, of course, it's a tough needle to try to thread between players like Amazon, which they're never going to beat online, and Walmart, which they're never going to beat in bricks and mortar. But I like it as a story, and I like the trade structure, because, of course, when volatility is, you know, it's interesting. Tony's basically trying to play on the normal trend here, which is that you should be selling volatility when it's elevated and declining. But he's mitigating that risk by using just a put spread instead of just selling puts outright. So I like it. Carter, Tony pointed out the 118 as being a key level for Target. Do you see that in the charts? Well, it closed at 121 or thereabouts. I think one of the issues here is this is a favorite among the long, short crowd dedicated to consumer, along with Home Depot and some others. So the numbers would have to be particularly good to cause a breakout. And so in many ways, the option strategy that Tony's outlined is the sort of better way to do it. Um, analyst community fundamentally looks for no upside if you look at the 30 analysts covering it. My hunch is that it's not going to be such a big move and therefore it's best done with the, the put strategy. All right. Well, probably best known for its TurboTax software, Intuit is on deck to report quarterly results on Thursday next week. If you have a hunch the stock could break out around then, well, listen up. Carter Worth has facts to back up your intuition, if you will. Carter, take it away. Sure. So we're just going to do the exact same uh, play here, really similar 
Tony was playing with Target, what we did last week for PayPal, meaning a breakout. It's a standard kind of thing, and everyone knows what it is. A few charts, four, in fact. Take a look at the first. It's a comparative chart of actually PayPal and Intuit. Now, look at that. They are literally railroad tracks. And that's before the news-related breakout. Now, look at the second chart and see what happened, of course, to PayPal. We're just going to sort of rinse, repeat here and make the bet that uh, this stock, Intuit, is also going to break out. So take a look at the third chart, which is the absolute chart. Look at the well-defined tops at a common level. The stock here at 284 is reapproaching the highs. And, and, and the bet is that you get a news-related, earnings-related breakout to new highs. The final chart, two panels. That's PayPal again on the top. But here, importantly, look at its relative performance in the bottom panel to the market, meaning relative performance this week broke out to new all-time highs. The bet is that absolute performance is about to do the same. Okay. Couldn't be clearer than that. Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so obviously, once again, options premiums are elevated, so we're going to look for a way that we can sell some premium to help basically fund our directional bet. I was looking out to June, the 280-270 put spread, I was going to sell that, use the proceeds to buy the 310 call. Now, when I was looking at this structure, we call this a put spread risk reversal. We often talk about call spread risk reversals, selling the put spread to buy those upside calls. You could collect somewhere between 50 cents to a dollar a share, give or take, uh, at today's prices to put this trade on. The idea here is that we're mitigating the downside risk. We're trying to sell some of that premium. And of course, if we do get a significant breakout, we're going to get to participate by owning those 310 calls. And actually, on the week of earnings, if that proves to be the catalyst, it isn't just necessarily going to be the break even at expiration that's going to impact you. Now, of course, the company has made some announcements because of the tax season has been postponed. That obviously is a critical period of time for them from a revenue perspective. The big unknown and the reason that they withdrew guidance is small business. How are they going to be affected? How's that going to impact into it? I expect we're going to hear more about that when they report next week. This is a way we can make a bullish bet and only risk a little over 3% of the current stock price if we get it wrong. Mm. Tony, what do you make of this trade? So Mike's very creative trade, I think, is a great way to play for upside while selling premium. The one thing I will say for investors who may not be as comfortable with a put spread risk reversal is you can use a simple strategy of just simply buying an at-the-money call option, which has a very similar trade structure to this. And actually, you get a little bit more leverage if Intuit does break out substantially above 305 or higher. The only downside to just buying an at-the-money call option is that if the stock doesn't make that breakout or moves a little lower, you are risking a little bit more capital. But net-net, you're risking roughly about $900,000 with that June at-the-money call option. Mike, um, when you were outlining some of the wild cards uh, that Intuit could address on its, on its conference call, it sounded like there could be reasons for it to not break out, at least quite yet, since the seasonally strong period may be um, pushed out a bit because of the tax deadline, and, and we don't know what's going to happen with small business. Yeah, well, we know for sure that it's going to be pushed out because, of yeah. course, the tech tax deadline has been extended. So a lot of those short-term revenues are simply not going to come in, and the company has said as much. The real unknown is we've seen some really negative small business sentiment, and this is just independent of Intuit. The kinds of uh, polls that we've seen have reflected a lot of concern about their businesses going forward. And that really is an issue because, of course, they have a small business segment, and that's what could be materially affected. And I don't think we really know the answer. They might be able to give us some insight, but they may not have the answers either. And, of course, that also presents some significant uncertainty. And it's one of the reasons I was sort of structuring the trade the way I did. All right. 
For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, Mike Coe puts you in the driver's seat when it comes to mapping a course around Expedia. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Let's take one more look at next week's huge earnings slate. Hidden among all those big retail names is one travel stock stuck in plenty of turmoil. Expedia has taken a huge hit this year as the entire travel industry has been ground to a halt by the coronavirus. The stock is down nearly 40 percent in 2020. And winter reports next week, Mike says, much like its customers, the stock is headed nowhere fast. Here's the call to action. Mike, take it away. Nowhere fast. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe this. I mean, this is obviously the eye of the storm when we think about businesses that are under pressure, given everything that's going on right now. But I think it's important for investors to remember that their trouble didn't just begin since this year. If you take a look at one of their reported quarters last year, they had a material disappointment. We saw the stock fall pretty markedly after that. And of course, we don't see real ends in sight for this either. The pressure that they're under is going to require not only a reopening, but then, of course, for travelers to decide that that's where they're going to focus their time and attention and basically re-engage in that way. The one thing I would say prevents this from really falling out, and one of the things that people can take a look at, is that private equity has been investing in the space. We've seen names like Silver Lake and Apollo make some investments. So there are some sophisticated investors who are beginning to dip their toe in and think that maybe this is an opportunity to buy. The way I think you ought to play it going into earnings is taking advantage of that high implied volatility. Right now, we see that the term structure is very, very much in backwardation. What that means is the near-term options are much more expensive than the longer-dated ones, as expensive as those are. Keeping this trade relatively short-dated, I was just looking at the May 65 weekly, the ones that expire next week, May 22nd, 65 puts, selling those and then buying the Junes, Net-net, that would cost about $2.75. The idea here is that the stock is going to move maybe not quite as much as the options market is implying. The maximum risk we're taking is the $2.75 that we're paying. And we're basically betting on these two forces offsetting. The fact that they've disappointed in the past, the fact that near-term resolution is uncertain, but the fact that we also know there are some institutional buyers in the space that have been dipping in, and that might actually create some measure of support here. So I think that as we take a look at names like this that are this troubled, that's the thing that you need to look for. Are there smart institutional investors who are using it as an opportunity, or is it the kind of space where every bid they get, smart players are trying to evacuate from the names? And so I think this is one of those situations where we might actually see a smaller move than expected, a big one, but maybe not as big as expected. Carter, what do you see in the stock? I mean, look, I think the key point is just what Mike said, is this was having trouble before all of the news of the day. We know the stock peaked in July versus the market uh, February of this year. And really, there's no real difference between this and let's take bookings or TripAdvisor. They're all under um, pressure that in many ways is unquantifiable. I think, generally speaking, this is a circumstance where you have to have a look-through view, which is, does this operate 
in two years from now or four? And the answer is yes. And that's the only kind of time frame I myself would be wanting to engage, uh, at least on the equity level, buying the stock. So, Tony, what's your view? Do you have that look-through view? And what do you think of Mike's trade? So I have more of a short-term bearish view on this particular stock, and I particularly like the fact that Expedia is up almost 4% today. That's the type of strength that I usually like to sell into or fade for a bearish position. The only concern that I have here with Mike's calendar is something that he's actually brought up before on an earnings play is that short strike so close to the current price. I actually really like his trade, but I'd prefer to move that short strike a little lower to maybe about that May 22nd, $63 put option. You're still collecting quite a bit, about $1.80 on that, which allows you to play a little bit more, gives you a little bit more buffer to the downside if Expedia does disappoint. What do you think of uh, Mike's advice? I mean, of Tony's advice, Mike. No, I mean, he's making a good point. You know, one of the tricky things when you're using calendars, which generally tend to be high probability bets, you're trying to balance, squeeze the balloon, if you will, trying to decide whether you're trying to improve the probability of profit, how much you potentially could profit. He's essentially trying to improve that probability of profit, particularly if we see an adverse move. So if somebody was inclined to do that, turn this straight calendar into a diagonal, as long as it's on the downside, I continue to like the trade. And that's a determination investors probably should be making for themselves. I have a feeling, though, that there is some support for the stock at some level, given the fact that we are seeing some institutional interest. All right. Coming up next on Options Action, one group of stocks digging up some huge gains this month. We'll tell you why that's great news for one of our traders. And later, we are taking your tweets, so send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We're back right after this. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. A couple weeks back, Mike Coe said the miners could be about to strike gold. Here we are with GDX trading at seven-year highs. And for people who are looking at this and saying, I want to be long the metal, I know that there's a lot of, you know, basically monetary printing going on. It seems like a good environment. Their input costs and operating costs are going down. I want to be long. But do you want to chase it with the stock up this much? You know, this is a situation where you want to look for stock substitutes. I was looking out to July at the 26 and a half, 33 and a half, 37 and a half, call spread risk reversal, I would spend about 50 cents to buy the at-the-money call and sell that downside 26.5 level put and that upside call. Well, the miners have surged more than 13% higher since the trade, closed today up another 4%. So, Mike, what are you doing now? You know, this thing just doesn't look like it's going to stop to me anytime soon. But now that we're going to approach that shorter strike, the 37 and a half, I think this is a good opportunity for us to roll up and out. We can reduce the risk if it happens to pull back. And this time I would probably just take the profits that I have made and let those ride on an upside call because I haven't seen any evidence right now that the fundamentals that are basically propelling the space are coming to an end anytime soon. Are you still bullish on the miners, Carter? Very. Uh, gold is set up for much higher prices. The miners are the leverage play to do it. You can also use okay. GDXJ for small miners, uh, but all roads point to gold. All right. 
Well, just last week, Tony said corporate bonds might yield you some gains. If we look at U.S. 10-year um, yields, you're looking at about an average of about 66 basis points on Treasuries versus HYG is offering almost nine times that at 550 basis points. And then you couple that with the fact that the Fed is outright going to start buying these high-yield ETFs. They've never done that before. That's going to provide investors with a sense of security on these types of funds. I'm going out to July, and I'm selling the $75 puts, collecting about $1.40. And I'm using the proceeds for that to buy a July $80 call option, which costs about $1.75. And then I'm going to sell a July $84 call against that to collect about $0.35. Cents. Well, the HYG has ticked lower since the trade, despite the Fed jumping in. So, Tony, what do you do now? So the Fed has started buying these ETFs this week, but as I referenced in that in that video, 78 is the major support level that I see on HYG. It's still holding for now. So my in indication is I have out to July, I'm going to hold on to this trade, but if HYG breaks below 78, then I would consider cutting my losses and moving on to the next trade. Carter, your assessment of Tony's levels. Well, the levels are great. What we know here is often it's a buy the rumor, sell the news. All of the action was done the day they announced it on April 9th, and it's basically been down since. I think this is probably a fallow kind of thing, and you do need to play it via options because there's no directional move likely. Okay. Coming up next, we've got your tweets and the final call. Welcome back. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, can we get an update on Tony's Caesars three-legged calendar spread that expired today? Tony, what do you tell Jim? So this trade is a bit of a wash at the current moment because the May $9 calls were expiring. Uh, $1 in the money it would have cost you about $0.80 cents to buy those back or you would have lost about $0.80 cents to buy those back. But the June $9 and June $11 call options are doing quite well and you would have made roughly about $0.65, $0.70 on those particular trades. So if you think that Caesars is going to continue to break out above that $10, my indication is to hold on to these calls, perhaps even roll them out to July, perhaps roll them out to the July $10 call options. But if you're no longer bullish on Caesars, then I would simply cut your losses and move on and pretty much have a flat trade here on this particular trade. All right. Our next viewer asks, is Mike still holding on to Apple 265 July puts? Mike? Yeah, so actually I had a put calendar on. I still have that on, but I have to say that the market doesn't seem to be agreeing with me here. So I'm rethinking my bearish position on Apple. All right. Wow, what a Friday show. It's time for the final call already. Carter Braxton Worth, what do you say? Into it for a breakout into earnings. Long. Tony? Target breaking out on earnings. I'm selling put credit spreads here. Mike Coe? Expedia, you want to use calendars going into earnings next week. All right. That does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back here next Friday, as always, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time for a full show. Do not go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. And have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe.
How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.